With that being said, let me encourage you and remind you all, uh, Pastor Rick is in Ecuador. He's been there for this past week and has had an awesome time. He's been sending us some email updates, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to hearing uh, his report on his trip. It sounds like God's just really blessed him in his time of teaching there and just been great. So I'm sure he's going to have some great stories for us. But here, let me encourage you uh, as our church, uh, be in prayer for Pastor Rick, especially tomorrow as he travels home, uh, that God would just bring him back to us safely. And uh, we are just grateful for him and excited for his return. And uh, this morning, friends, we are uh, in Rick's absence. I've been uh, given the privilege of uh, sharing the message here today. And I always enjoy uh, coming and uh, spending some time with you here in, uh, in our services on Sunday morning. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the nature of truth as it's revealed to us in Scripture. So we've got an interesting morning together as we talk about the nature of truth. And to get us warmed up here today as we begin thinking about truth, I thought it might be fun uh, to get us warmed up to have a little true-false quiz. Okay, a little true-false quiz. And this is, this is an audience participation time, all right, uh, to get us thinking about the issues of true versus false, okay? So I'm going to ask you a few questions, and you need to answer either true or false. You got that? All right? Pretty simple. You ready? All right, so question number one. Now, this is, this is, this should, you guys should get this one. Question number one, Brett Favre is the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. True or false? Good, all right. Now, I know there's some Packer fans out there like myself who are, aren't too pleased about that, but good, all right. So we're, we're 100% here. Uh, tr true, all right, number one. Question number two, all right, true or false? Here we go, question number two. The Green Bay Packers have won two Super Bowls. True or false? False, good, wow. Some of you guys, they've won three Super Bowls, actually. Good job, everybody, three Super Bowls. All right. All right, here we go. Question number three. Stick with me now. True or false? The Minnesota Vikings have never won a Super Bowl. <laughs> true or false? Right? What? Well, come on. True. Okay, good. All right, all right. I think you guys can see where we're going with this. All right, last question here this morning. The Minnesota Vikings will lose to the Green Bay Packers today. True or false? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That, that one is true. That's absolutely true. But you did pretty good. I think you got, what, three out of four there today? Good. So, all right, all right. I'm just having a little fun with you guys today. We uh, have a big game coming up later today, and most of you know I'm a big Packer fan, so please don't hold that against me. But uh, now it's time to get serious and uh, get focused. And uh, again, our teaching time today, we're going to be looking at the nature of truth as it's revealed in Scripture, much more important than the outcome of a football game this afternoon. If you would, let's uh, open our hearts with a word of prayer here this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that you've given us in your word to guide us in our lives. God, give us uh, open hearts and minds today to consider uh, what your word has to teach us about truth and about your son Jesus as being the ultimate truth. And Heavenly Father, give me wisdom as I share, and give my heart, my friends here open hearts and minds to uh, hear this message. And we pray this in Jesus' name today. Amen. Well, as we begin this morning, I'd like for you to follow along as we read together from a very uh, famous passage of Scripture. It's found in John chapter 18, verses 33 through 38. 
And uh, in this passage, we find Jesus in the midst of one of his trials prior to his crucifixion. Jesus went through a series of trials, and in his last trial, he appeared before Pontius Pilate, who was the Roman governor of Judea. And during this trial, Jesus and Pilate uh, took part in a very interesting exchange, one of the most profound conversations ever in human history. In fact, the Bible gives us a glimpse into this conversation. I'd like for you to follow along as we read this together. John 18, verses 33 through 38. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, now listen to this, friends, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. To testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. And with this, he went out again to the Jews. What is truth? It was a profound question 2,000 years ago when Pilate uttered these words to Jesus. And it remains a profound and timely question today. In fact, many people in our world are still asking this very same question. What is truth? Can we know the truth? And if so, where can we find the truth? You know, all you need to do is turn on Oprah in the afternoons to recognize that we live in a world today that is spiritually hungry. A world where people are searching for the answers to life's deepest questions. Where did we come from? What is the meaning and purpose of life? What happens to us after we die? People today, friends, are hungry for the truth. And yet, at the same time, far too many people have embraced confused notions of truth that keep them from the answers that would ultimately satisfy their deepest longings. And many of us know people just like this, people who have embraced these confused notions of truth. We have skeptics in our world, those who constantly question every claim to truth. Many of us know pluralists, those who say that all truth claims are equally valid. And maybe the most common of all in our culture today, the relativists, those who would say what's true for you is true for you and what's true for me is true for me. How many of you have heard that one before? Yeah, lots of us. You know, I'd be willing to bet that each of us here has encountered one or more of these confused notions of truth in our interactions with friends, neighbors, co-workers. You know, just recently it was interesting, I had a friend of mine who sent me a letter, a friend who I grew up with, and in this letter, it was a classic example of some of these confused notions of truth that are so common in our world today. My friend's name is Ryan, and Ryan and I, we grew up together. We played Little League together, sports together, grew up junior high, high school together. And Ryan was one, one of these kids who grew up in a family that really, you know, he went to Sunday school and confirmation as a kid, but really other than that, it was basically church on Christmas and Easter. And 
he never really had that personal relationship with Christ. And I remember all through high school witnessing to Ryan, inviting him to youth group with me, and Ryan and I sort of lost touch when we went off to college, and it turns out that Ryan ended up going to college at the University of Rhode Island. And Ryan recently got back in touch with me, and he sent me a very interesting letter. Now, here's the deal, friends. I want to read Ryan's letter for you this morning. And as I read this letter, I want you to listen to what Ryan shares and see if you've ever encountered any of these ideas in your own relationships or interactions with friends or neighbors, coworkers, maybe. Let me read Ryan's letter. He says, Dear Jason, thank you for responding to my last letter. We have been communicating a couple times at this point. He says, I appreciate your willingness to dialogue with me. However, I must admit, I couldn't disagree with your beliefs or religion more. I'm not sure if this is the result of all the four Sunday school lessons as a child, or if it's the result of being enlightened by higher forms of thinking here at the university. Anyway, at least I'm open-minded about my differences of opinion with others' religious beliefs, and tolerant. That's far more than Christianity has done in dealing with those who disagreed with them. My main issue with what you believe is your statement that there is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. You state that this is the truth. But really, Jason, isn't this just your truth? Who are you to say that other people, other religions, or other cultures are wrong? Especially when there are so many sincere and well-meaning followers of other religions. The fact is, nobody can claim to know the absolute truth. What I believe is that we simply need to learn to love and appreciate one another and embrace our differences. Maybe we all share a little bit of the truth. Some Christian, some Buddhist, some Muslim. Don't you agree that if we could simply recognize the truth that we all share, then a lot of the world's problems would simply disappear? The fact of the matter is, as long as people of any religion continue to claim exclusive truth, we will never experience tolerance and peace. Tolerance comes from recognizing that you were raised to believe one thing and I was raised to believe another. Once we recognize that, we should appreciate each other and stop trying to condemn and convert each other. I look forward to hearing from you. Sincerely, Ryan. Friends, let me ask you a question. Have any of you ever met Ryan before? You know what I'm saying? I see some heads shaking out there, right? Lots of people in our world today who have embraced these confused notions of truth. In 1 Peter 3.15, God's word exhorts us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. Friends, let me ask you a question this morning. Are you prepared? Are you ready with an answer? How would you respond to my friend Ryan? You know, as Bible-believing Christians, we affirm that God has communicated truth to us. Timeless, universal, absolute truth that we can know, we can trust, and we can share with others. And we affirm that God has revealed these truths to us in Scripture and ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in John 18.37 that I have come to testify to the truth. That's why he came, to testify, to communicate the truth. In John 8.32, Jesus declared, You will know the truth, and the truth 
will set you free. It's the truth that sets you free. And even more dramatically, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, what was Jesus saying in these passages, friends? Jesus was claiming that he had come to reveal to us the nature of reality, the way things really are. You see, that's what truth is. Truth is the correspondence between what we think and believe to what actually is. The correspondence of what we think and believe to what actually is. That's what truth is. And Jesus said that he came to reveal the truth. And you know, friends, while you'd think that this would be tremendous news for a world that for over 2,000 years has been asking the question, what is truth? The reality is that our world and culture today often has a real problem with Jesus. Not the Jesus who healed the sick and spoke in defense of the poor and oppressed. No, our world loves that Jesus. But as soon as Jesus, the author and conveyor of absolute truth, as soon as Jesus, the standard and judge of righteousness, shows up, suddenly people's opinions begin to change. And this even happens, sadly, within the church at times. We live in a culture today where it's not always popular to talk about absolute truths. Because absolute truths are exclusive. They're narrow. They point us to the fact that some things are inherently black and white, good or evil, right or wrong. And you know, while our culture today accepts many absolute truths on a daily basis, truths like gravity, for example, when it comes to more personal truths, topics like God, religion, or morality, many people in our world, people like my friend Ryan, are more likely to view these things as being nothing more than ice cream. Yes, you heard me right. I said ice cream. Now, I can see some of you are looking at me a little funny this morning. Well, bear with me for a minute and let me explain. You see, friends, suppose you got a sweet tooth here this morning. Suppose you got a sweet tooth and you decide that after church you want to drive home on your way home and stop and get some ice cream. Well, friends, when choosing ice cream, you can choose whatever flavor you like, whatever you prefer. There's no real consequence to your choice because it's just simply a matter of your own personal subjective preference, right? Mike likes chocolate, Diane likes vanilla, you know, no big deal, right? You're just talking about ice cream. It's just our own personal preference, our own personal tastes or choices. There's no big deal. And there are many people in our world, even in the church, who treat God's truth as being nothing more than ice cream. Flavors from which we can pick and choose our own personal preferences. And there are all kinds of examples of this that we could talk about this morning. For example, take the issue of God's will for human sexuality. You know, just recently we've witnessed another major denomination within the church disregard God's clear teaching on sexuality by voting to affirm that individuals practicing the homosexual lifestyle are fully within the bounds of the Christian faith. But you know something, friends? That's not their right to decide. This isn't something we get to vote on. 
God has already communicated his truth on this matter to us in Scripture. In numerous passages throughout both the Old and the New Testaments, God tells us that the homosexual lifestyle is a perversion of his will for humanity. For example, the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, 24 through 27. Paul says, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Listen to what Paul says. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. You know, friends, when I read that passage, it's hard for me to imagine how God could have spoken any more clearly on that matter, right? Yet within the church today, we have those who would try and explain away God's word on homosexual activity because it doesn't fit their own personal subjective preference. Another example. Just two weeks ago, our president, a man who says he's a Christian, speaking before the nation's largest gay rights organization, said he looked forward to the day, and I quote, when we as a nation finally recognize relationships between two men or two women as just as real and admirable as relationships between a man and a woman, unquote. Again, friends, this statement is absolutely and clearly in direct conflict with the truth of God's word. If you believe the Bible contains God's revealed truth, it doesn't matter what political party you belong to, this statement has to offend you. It flies in the face of God's revealed truth. And you know, examples like this are commonplace in our world today. Our culture, and even many within the church, have turned God's word into an ice cream shop. I don't really like that flavor, so why don't you give me some of this over here? But friends, God did not intend for his word to be viewed and treated like an ice cream shop. Something where we can pick and choose what flavors we like. Rather, God revealed the truths of scripture... Because he loves us, he cares about us, and he knows that following his will for our lives really matters. It really matters. You know, it's just like if you were to go to the doctor for a checkup. Let's say you went this week and you visited Dr. Post, right? And you went to the doctor for a checkup, and let's say your doctor diagnosed you with diabetes. And your doctor told you that you would need a medicine to control your disease. Well, now in this case, friends, you don't get to choose what you like or prefer, do you? Now you have to choose what heals, what remedies your condition. And whether you like it or not, there's not a plurality of options. There's only insulin. And your doctor prescribes it because he wants you to be well, and he knows that it works. See, friends, when choosing ice cream, you can choose what's true for you. When choosing medicine, you must choose what's true, period. 
And there's significant confusion on this point in our world today. Most people in our culture think of God, religion, and morality like ice cream and not like insulin. They choose religious and moral views based upon their personal tastes and preferences rather than according to what is true. For example, Parade Magazine, found in our Sunday paper. Parade Magazine recently conducted a survey on American spiritual beliefs. Their survey revealed that nearly two-thirds of Americans today believe that all religions are equally valid paths to God. Ice cream flavors. Another popular figure in our culture today, Oprah Winfrey, recently stated, and I quote, one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live. There are many paths to what you call God, unquote. She's also said recently, and I quote, I'm a Christian who believes that there are certainly many more paths to God other than Christianity, unquote. I'm a Christian who believes that there are many other paths to God other than Christianity. Different kind of Christianity than I practice, friends. See, Oprah's position, which is increasingly common in our world today, is that Jesus just happens to be her flavor, but other people's religious flavors are just as valid. Again, it's ice cream. We can pick and choose what works for us. But Jesus, friends, is not an ice cream flavor. Jesus is not an ice cream flavor. And God's word is not Baskin-Robbins 31 flavors where you can pick and choose what works for you. The Bible is very clear that there is such a thing as absolute truth. And Jesus not only, con- Jesus not only claimed to be the conveyor of that truth, but he claimed that he himself was that truth. You see, friends, Christians who want to hold to a biblical worldview need to understand that truth in the historical biblical sense has always been more an insulin kind of thing than an ice cream kind of thing. You understand that? God's truth has always been more of an insulin kind of a thing than an ice cream kind of thing. And while exclusive truth claims like the claims of biblical Christianity are not always popular in our world today, Just like the diabetic who doesn't get to pick and choose what medicine he prefers, we might not like the exclusive nature of Christ's claims or what the Bible teaches about morality. But if they are true, if they reveal the way things really are, then it becomes imperative that we take them seriously or we can wind up in serious trouble. We can get others in serious trouble. You know, for example, we all saw just this last week how when two Northwest Airlines pilots took their eyes off of their navigation equipment, they chose to disregard their navigation equipment, they chose to tune out their radio, they ended up flying over an hour and a half off course. They completely missed the Twin Cities Airport because they chose to ignore the instruments in their cockpit for their guidance. They tuned them out. And now they're in serious trouble. They've lost their pilot's licenses. They've lost their jobs. You know, why does truth matter, friends? Because just like these pilots, when we take our eyes off of the navigation equipment that God has given us for our benefit, when we take our eyes off of the truths 
that God has revealed to us, that show us the way in life, that lead us how to live, when we take our eyes off of God's revealed truths in Scripture, there can be serious consequences for us. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, we can run into all kinds of problems. And I'd be willing to bet that if we took some time this morning, we could be here all day telling stories of how our lives have been damaged and scarred as a result of taking our eyes off of God's revealed truths. See, God gave us his truth for a reason. Because he loves us, he cares about us. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus promised us in John 8, 32, that if you know him, the one who is the truth, that he would set you free. Jesus can set you free from your sin, from your past, your guilt, your anger, your jealousy, your addiction, whatever it is, Jesus promised that he can set you free and give you hope. Jesus came into this world, he said in John 10.10, so that we might know life and life to the full. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to know life and life to the full. This is Jesus' promise. That when we surrender our lives to him, when our lives are conformed to his will, when we live according to his truth for us, that we will know real life. The life we were created for. The life God wants for us. And this isn't ice cream that I'm talking about here, friends. I'm not talking about ice cream. I'm not talking about a personal subjective preference. This is the timeless universal, absolute truth from God to each and every one of us. Consider for a minute this morning John 3.16. John 3.16. In fact, let's all say this together. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Friends, is that verse insulin or ice cream? Insulin, absolutely it's insulin. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And if you don't know him today, friends, if you don't know Jesus today as your Savior and Lord, you need to. You need to. He's the hope of the world. He's your only hope. There's nothing else. There's only Jesus. Jesus said that he is the way. And friends, apart from Jesus, I'm telling you, you are lost. And Jesus said that he is the truth. And he said that, friends, because if you don't know Jesus, you are living your life in error today. And Jesus said that he is the life. Because without Jesus, friends, you don't have life. You're dead. Life is only found in Jesus. And with Jesus, there's hope. There's hope. Do you need hope today? I tell you what, if you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, I, just, I need hope. In fact, I came to church this morning because I need hope. Man, if you need hope today, I tell you what, you're not going to find it anywhere else except in Jesus. And you're looking at a room here this morning. If you look around, you're looking at a room here this morning of a whole bunch of messed up, screwed up people in here, including myself. 
And we are here today only by the grace of God because we found hope in Jesus Christ. Am I right, friends? That's right. If you need hope today, you need Jesus. It's what you need. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning, I want to speak to you for a minute. God has entrusted us with a precious, precious gift. We possess the cure that the world needs. The world needs the truth. The world needs Jesus. And not only has God entrusted us with this gift, but he has commissioned us to be his ambassadors to the world. Did you know that you're an ambassador? You are, first and foremost, above all things, you're an ambassador. If you're a parent, you're an ambassador to your kids, to your families. If you have neighbors, friends, you're an ambassador to your neighbors in your neighborhood. You're an ambassador in your workplace. You're a representative of Jesus Christ. Students, when you go to school on Monday morning, you're an ambassador for Jesus in your school. That's what we are, all of us, first and foremost, above all else. Above being a pastor, I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ in all areas of my life. And God has called us to take this gift, this cure, and share it with a world that so desperately needs it. He's called us to take it to our families, to our co-workers, to all who need to know the truth. And I know, friends, I know, trust me, I know that this isn't always an easy thing to do. I understand that it can be scary and it can be intimidating, especially in our skeptical, pluralistic, relativistic culture today. But friends, we need to remember the world has a disease. Our friends and neighbors have a disease. It's a spiritual disease called sin which keeps us separated from our holy God. And friends, our world doesn't need ice cream. There's plenty of ice cream out there. The world doesn't need ice cream. They need the truth. They need what heals, what remedies their condition. They need Jesus. There's only Jesus. How will they get Jesus? Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, first of all, I want to thank you for the truth you've given us. The truth you've given us in Scripture, the truth you gave us in your Son, Jesus Christ. And you gave us this truth, Lord, because you love us and you care about us and you want us to know life to the full. Heavenly Father, I just pray, God, that all of us would come to have a greater appreciation for the truth you've given us in Scripture that we might all seek to live our lives faithfully by your word because we know, God, that you've given it to us for our well-being because you love us and you care about us. If there's anybody here this morning who is searching for the truth, who needs hope, Lord, I just pray that even right now you might touch their hearts and help them to see very clearly that there's no truth anywhere else other than in Jesus and that they need you. Friends, if that's you today, I just encourage you don't leave here this morning without, even right now, in the quiet of your own heart, asking God, Jesus, I know I need you. Help me, Lord. Help me, Jesus. I need your truth. If you reach out, God will touch you, I promise you, because he loves you. And God, for all of us who are followers of you, give us a burden on our hearts, Lord, for the lost people in our lives.
Help us to remember, Lord, that first and foremost, above all else, we are your ambassadors to this world. And help us to live faithfully as your ambassadors, carrying your words of truth wherever we go, displaying the hope that we've found in you wherever we go. Give us a boldness, Lord. I know it's not always easy. I get intimidated too, Lord, but give us a boldness that comes from remembering that the world has a disease and we have the cure and the world needs Jesus, God. Give us a heart for the lost people in our lives. And we pray this today in Jesus' precious name, thanking you for the truth you've given us and the truth we've come to know. In your name, amen.